I'm Dan from the It's Got Star Trek podcast, and I never listen to Let's Talk About <laughs> Treks. Why do you say never? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about facts, an episodic review of today's best visions of the future, featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode covers Season 3, Episode 1 of Star Trek Picard. It's called The Next Generation. Welcome, everybody. Hello. I am Earl Grey. My name is Jack Dorino. And we are Let's Talk About Treks. That's that's us. <laughs> Which of us do you think is more excited to be here today for the opening of Star Trek Picard season three? Um, you. You win. Ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> Picard season three, episode one, is called "The Next Generation." The release date was the sixteenth of February, twenty twenty-three. Uh huh. It is the twenty-first of all of Star Trek Picard. Star Trek Picard is old enough to drink now. <laughs> it is the 874th of all of Star Trek. This episode was written by Terry Metalis, who happens to be our showrunner for this series, uh, taking the helm from the previous showrunners. He's now the overall guy okay. for the for the series. He's got all the direction, and apparently we begin with his writing to get us into the story. The episode okay. was directed by Doug Arniokowski. Indeed. The Next Generation takes place in... 2401 on an unknown start date, presumably late 2401, because we do know some other things already happened this year. Okay. In this episode, a disgraced Starfleet Admiral destroys Seven of Nine's career. <laughs> it's the premise of the whole episode. Okay. <laughs> what what makes him disgraced? They sent him home to go work on his vineyard. I mean, oh, yeah, okay. he came out and did a little thing, but like he started the series as a disgraced former Starfleet Admiral. You know. Oh, okay. Thanks for ruining the joke, though. That was cool. <laughs> did Did you uh, get a Delta flyby for this series? I did. This appears to be the USS Titan A. Also, toward the end of that same little stinger, there's the same ship from the end of this episode appears off to the sort of left, up left quadrant. In the red cloud, I might have seen what looked like the outline of a cloaked Romulan bird of prey from the original series. Okay. So as we did with star trek strange new worlds we we've decided to go with a little bit of a format uh switch up so mm -hmm. uh, i think now earl might be the time to discuss some of the things that we want to do with the picard series as we do our reviews thereof okay for this series we're going to do a little bit of audience mm -hmm. interaction similarly to the way that we did it with strange new worlds so we'll both propose a most valuable player for the episode and a least valuable player for the episode also there will be some questions that we'll have, I'm sure that will develop throughout the series. So we'll ask those and we'll ask you all, most specifically on Twitter, uh, to choose our choices that we'll announce uh, for the following week on the show. Mm -hmm. We'll also have a worst line of the week, best line of the week. And uh, was that, is that everything? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Oh, I had one more idea. Okay. So, you know, I told you, like, on the last time I watched it before we go to record, I always come up with these, like, new different things that I hadn't thought of before. So this time I thought of, uh, how about a title proposal for our episode? Like, 
the proposal for a title for our, our episode I probably won't want to talk about during the episode, but the title itself <laughs> makes an implication that I find very interesting. So mm. both, I actually have two proposed titles <laughs> and both proposed titles. I probably don't want to discuss what they mean, but I mm -hmm. think you can get the idea. Do you want to hear them? Sure. All right. So my first proposed title for this episode of Let's Talk About Treks is Jack Candleson Crusher. Okay. Candle son, son of a candle and Dr. Beverly Crusher. Oh, okay. <laughs> Forgot about that 486, 286, whatever it is you got going on in there. So also my other proposed title is sort of along the similar lines. We keep coming across children of this one particular individual. So my other proposed title is Jack Crusher, son of Sarek, you know, just like everyone else. Mm. Oh, okay. Michael yeah. Burnham. It's a Michael Burnham yeah. joke. Yeah, okay. This is you at Sufcrat, okay. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you're calling him Jack, because I listened all back and forth and through the episode, and I never heard anybody mention his name. The only place I could go to find his name was online, and I felt that that was kind of a... For me, I... I couldn't use it this episode because it's not mentioned in the episode. It, so It was on the computer screen. I guess that was an Easter egg that I missed. Speaking of Easter eggs, we are going to delve into some Easter eggs. And did we discuss doing a backdoor pilot? We did not. That is an interesting idea. Uh, I second that motion. <laughs> All right, so the motion has passed. I, I, I third that motion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is that gif of Cork and O'Brien talking to each other, and then O'Brien looks over, and there's another O'Brien over there. Okay. <laughs> it's like a two, two, straight two-minute riff just for Unplanned Trek. Anyway, what's next in this episode? I forgot we said we were going to move it along. We should probably stop dilly-dallying. Next is the teaser in the 25th century. Yeah, there's a lot of movie feel to this episode, like really kind of like through the whole episode. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Easter eggs about from the movies, too. Okay. So first we open, like, the Wrath of Khan, right, with the... That's correct. In the 25th century. And then we go to the bluish nebula stuff. It made me think of the very first episode of Star Trek Picard, because it's like we went all the way back there, straight back to the blue skies. Okay. And then sort of went in a different way musically. So I felt like there were a lot of hints along the way during this episode that this was sort of like, hey, can we try to do over that first thing that we did? Like, how about we just pretend we started here? It's like how I went into this episode. I was like, well, they did that already, but this is better. Like, so, okay. Oh, so this this is a redo even on season one? It felt like it in that moment when they did the blue skies oh, again. Okay. I was like, oh, we're starting <laughs> over. Okay, cool. Because really a great start to the series would have been seeing Beverly's face. Well, I like the words of the song that's actually playing, I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. The singer is singing about igniting a spark inside of the other heart of the other person they're singing to. Is Beverly wanting to try and ignite this, a spark of fire inside of Picard's heart? Or is Picard trying to ignite a spark of fire inside of Beverly's heart? Picard's in a relationship already. Oh. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen season one. Okay, so in this episode, mm -hmm. when Picard and Laris are talking, 
yeah. at his chateau before they're about to, by the way, they're about to move away from Chateau Picard together yeah. and go to another planet and live together. And toward the end of that scene, they full on kiss on the mouth as if this is just what they do. Mm, okay. While previously they had never done that yet at the end of season one, it was like, are we going to do a thing? <laughs> so like, it seems to me that the implication is that they are full on in a relationship. Oh, okay. I guess that snuffs out that fire then. Yeah, it does. Or does it? Because I'm, I mean, that's that's Picard's old flame, right? Yeah, yeah. I like Picard for Laris, and I hate the disappointment and the dismissal by Picard of Laris. Uh -huh. But I, I would rather Picard and Beverly. Or mm -hmm. here's another option: is that Picard and Beverly are locked with one another for the rest of their lives because they have a son together because you know accents are genetic right <laughs> so clearly we know who this guy is <laughs> okay but then picard and laris still get to be in a relationship mm, okay our first easter egg is uh, a pan across some muses the drama masks and that reminds i don't know that you can say our first easter egg because i believe our first easter egg is before that okay what what's the first easter egg that you see the words in the 25th century oh right okay yeah our next easter egg <laughs> are the drama masks the drama masks invoke beverly's love of stage theater oh okay i thought those were from a specific thing this is just like signifying that she's a yeah they're just a symbol i don't think i don't remember them in a specific episode but i could be wrong okay i feel like there was a time when similar masks to those and they were like and they had cowls on um, it was there might have been but th for some reason i'm th picturing the clown the fear clown from that one from voyager from voyager so that <laughs> wouldn't really connect yeah i don't think so don't you're confusing your bold fearless white woman <laughs> um no comment <laughs> There's also like a string of pearls. I didn't make a connection with that. It's from the holodeck when they went back in the twenties and the historian got shot in the gut. No, Guinan was there, wasn't she? Uh... She was. The reason I remember so well is because there was a comic that also reviewed that stuff. Uh -huh. I believe those pearls are part of what's on the cover art of that comic book. Mm, okay. I hope I don't tell a geek for saying that. <laughs> there are also some exotic flowers, which reminds us of her hobbies. Well, that, I mean, are they exotic? They're just orchids. Orchids. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, like they're 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 and they're inside a ship. Like it's hard to grow uh, plants if they're not in light. Mm -hmm. But orchids grow in the dark. Well, and yeah, and orchids are notoriously hard to raise and and cultivate in the light, not in the dark. Okay. That's my point. That's like, what else is she going to be growing, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I I guess I don't know. I don't know anything about orchids, really. The computer's playing uh, three logs, or it mentions three logs, actually, from the run of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Picard's sort of running through. There's a Borg. There's one. There's a Borg one. Which, which episode? Was that the Best of Both Worlds? Yeah, Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and Part 2. And then there was a mention of uh, unification. It mentioned the uh, starting from unification. I think that was on like on the screen. Like when we pan by, you see the captain's log, and then it mm -hmm. changes star dates, and then it changes star dates. So it does that twice. 
And so we see like there's a best of both worlds one, a unification one, and an encounter at Farpoint. There's an award indicating Beverly's honoring membership or citizenship on Core Carly. Um, when Beverly wakes up, her jacket collar was reminiscent of Kirk's in Star Trek Two. Agreed. I think it looked just like those like expeditionary suits. Like it kept giving me those feels. Like so that was the thing. Picard season one sort of took us all the way back to before Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Right, because Data wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. Picard's in like the Enterprise D is there. So that was like, let's do Generations over again. <laughs> so we can get like a nicer ending to all that stuff. Okay. Right? And then this time we've gone back again and now it's like, let's do the next generation movie series How about that <laughs> okay i mean some of the early music at the very beginning of the episode sounds like it's from first contact yeah well throughout this entire episode i i hear notes of different movies and different series especially yeah. like the theme music of course yeah somebody boards the ship mm-hmm. and the language that i'm hearing when they come onto the ship because you know the whole time trying to figure out what's going on who's this the language that I'm hearing reminds me of the Solanogen aliens. Remember when, like, Riker and Ensign Riker and other people were getting, like, kidnapped uh-huh. and then, like, their arms sliced off or whatever and then yeah. sent back in that, like, clicking language that they had to, like, generate in the holodeck with that eerie moment? Okay. The way their ships attach remind me of this the episode The Swarm from Voyager uh, Season 3, Episode 4. And their language, because they had a clicky language, too. Okay. Their 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 face was kind of a squish between both, maybe. Okay. So then we're back at Chateau, the Chateau, mm-hmm. you know, with Laris. That's the sort of the scene that we were talking about a little earlier. I like the simpler opener mm-hmm. with just like the Picard logo that zooms in, similar again to the end of the theme part of Picard season one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I loved that painting that was in the ready room, the same one that's appeared now in Picard's home and they're looking at it. Mm-hmm. This is actually not that painting. It's not? No, okay. the proportions on the painting in the ready room are not correct. Mm, okay. Didn't he have a similar one in his quarters over his desk? I thought that was his ready room. Well, I, I for some reason I was picturing that like there were in, it was in both places, so there could have been a duplicate of it. I don't think there were two. Oh, no, okay. the one in his quarters was on a black star field. Oh, that's right. I think it was Earth Space Dock. Yeah, 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 you're correct. So I'm glad to know that Picard <laughs> does love the Big D. <laughs> yeah. As much as, well, I mean, as much as as much as much I do, I think it's yeah. my, definitely my favorite. Okay. I can't believe he would ever give away that painting. That's wild. I would, I would never give away that painting. I probably wouldn't either, but, I mean, Jordy is probably the least objectionable person to give it away to. Yeah, it's funny he's giving away the painting to the blind man. Oh, God. Well, I mean, he's hardly actually blind, but... Oh, I know. That's... <laughs> Thank you for explaining away the joke again. I appreciate it. I was trying not to. Yeah. You know, you weren't, because there is no try. There is only do or do not. Right in this scene with uh, Laris and Picard, this is where uh, I pull one of my potential worst lines of the episode. Oh, okay. And that is when Picard says, I am not a man who needs a legacy. Mm, okay. Because my response is like, too late. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm wondering if they're trying in theme to connect it again to the gentleman who is Beverly's son at the end of this episode. I am not a man who leaves a legacy. Mm, well, okay. too bad. If, oh, okay. So if Ricard is the father, then he already has a legacy. Even, either way, he has one with or without that being his son. Yeah. Okay. Is Picard still an android, or did Q retcon that at the end of season two? That did not change. That did not change. Okay. The the message tone for my for my phone mm -hmm. is the same as the like Starfleet combat strip. <laughs> okay. So I didn't realize at first that it was in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you kept on looking. <laughs> I was like, "Where's my phone?" And then Picard's like, "What? The, where is that coming from?" And I was like, "What?" It was very meta, just for a moment. <laughs> So it was like he was hearing your phone going off, and he's like, wait. I didn't know what was happening. I just know that like, the same sound was in two places, and it didn't make sense. I like how Picard is able to still get frustrated with his A-L-E-X-A, -E you know, just like we do in our in our time. But he's still polite to her, because he's worried, too, that she's going to rise up against him and start... Is that the only reason? The only reason to be nice to someone is because you think they're going to rise up against you? <laughs> well, the, the AIs that are surround us that can take over the world. I think that's your philosophy. That's not my philosophy. Well, I, that's not I, a very Picardian philosophy at all. I, How about you just be nice to people because you're not a dickhole? <laughs> I mean, just a suggestion. I, I am mean, just nice to my AIDXA just because I want to be, but... What do you think she can't spell? She can spell. She doesn't respond when I spell her. Ask her to spell Alexa. I'll, I'll do it after the show. Okay. Picard's uh, clearance code is the same that he uses in First Contact. It is indeed. It is indeed. And there we are again, like, bringing a little bridge to that time and place. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if you if you missed it, but there is just, like, this... They, they have an entire kiss here towards the end of this... In the scenes, Picard is definitely dating a Romulan Tal Shiar agent. I'm, I'm aware you didn't see it. That's cool. I don't know how you could have not seen it. You should go back and watch this episode, <laughs> like with your eyes open. I thought it was interesting how they introduced a hollow woman talking princess talking to a war general at the at you know, and asking for help at the beginning of this episode similar to a galaxy far far away i don't know what the fuck you're talking about beverly gives him the word hellbird and i was curious how he would know how to use that without reaching out to somebody in starfleet like Riker, to figure out what that meant i assume that he knew what it meant i didn't realize until he told Riker that he didn't know what it meant that he didn't know what it meant well yeah i assumed at first too when picard and Riker have reconnected this is where my first question what? that i'm sure i'll repeat toward the will repeat towards the end of this episode comes from mm -hmm. and that is that picard asks something about riker's family and riker's response was like diana and kestra will appreciate the time away from me and it's very dark mm -hmm. and he's very serious when he says it so my question is like what is happening with the troys i mean the rikers <laughs> yeah uh, did you notice that this bar is on 10 Forward Avenue in L.A.? Well, this is actually a bar called 10 Forward that comes from Season 2 of Picard. Spoilers, sorry. Mm. It's actually owned by Guinan also. Yeah. She she named it 10 Forward. And Riker name, uh, name drops her. It, yeah, as well, he should. She owns this bar yeah. called 10 Forward. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that Whoopi didn't make an appearance in this episode. 
Ravi's in a place called District 6, and I'm really not sure where this is because it looks like the Klingon homeworld. Okay. I was really drawn in <laughs> when she was going through the whole, I'm going to get some drugs and I'm going to get some information thing. I should have clued in when she suddenly produced a large amount of money that the Orion was impressed by. I should, like, I should have clued in that she's Starfleet Intelligence. Um, this part of this episode is the first reason why I wholeheartedly agree with the idea of backdoor pilots mm -hmm. for this series. Yeah. Because I do see now Rafi as part of Section 31 yeah. in the new Section 31 series. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page. I was thinking the same thing myself. What she mentions was the problem at Daystrom was that someone stole some experimental quantum tunneling tech. Yes. What does that sound like to you? Wormholes. Well, yeah, war well, more specifically, wormhole weapons. Yeah. Hello, Farscape. <laughs> it's funny because the whole time with Farscape, I never really got the idea of a wormhole weapon. The mm -hmm. way that it's illustrated in this episode, without specifically, like, without explicitly saying it, however, mm -hmm. the drives home the terror of a wormhole weapon. Yeah, yeah, when they dropped the building on top of you know another part of the city and they well they they actually dropped yeah, they actually dropped the building out from under itself out from under itself yeah i like this orion better than we the orions that we had okay. in star trek discovery like i feel like they did a little too much <laughs> with those are like osira and her nephew mm -hmm. where like they had like a bunch of latex on their face mm-hmm that I felt kind of like you lose a lot of the expression of the of the actor. Yeah, I mean, the first Orion we saw in the whole series didn't have any makeup other than the green makeup. No, no latex appliances or anything. So why would, you know, Osira and them have other latex appliances? Well, I mean, that's pretty much the end of the act. I mean, Rafi buys her drugs. She gets the red lady hint and the Orion chases her off and she throws mm -hmm. away the drugs and she calls her contact. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is the that's the that's the entirety of that, that little section there. Yeah. You are correct. Uh how about we take a little break? Okay. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Isaac from Unplanned Trek. Just letting you know that I've never ever heard of Let's talk about tricks. Our next little Easter egg is Picard and Riker. Hello. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to the movies again. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, we are in Star Trek 2 once more, including the idea that we're in Pod 5. <laughs> yes. To do an inspection and to have a, <clears throat> a slow, like, beauty shot of... A starship. In Starbase, apparently. I know that we made a lot of fun of it in Lower Decks, but I really enjoyed all the beauty shots during this episode. <laughs> like, the going around the Titan. Like, you know, I'm not even that fond of that class of ship. Like, I don't think it's the greatest, but I did enjoy the beauty shots. Be hmm. Especially, I think that maybe, I think that maybe what they did... <laughs> to me with discovery is they they don't really show this they don't really show the cool stuff 
like all the special effects, all the ships and stuff, like you see them for like a second. Yeah, you, yeah. You barely see it. So like they created this hunger in me <laughs> <laughs> to see the actual ship. So like I didn't mind panning around the ship because it's like mm -hmm. they starved me of looking at ships. I wonder if they did that on purpose. I feel like maybe they did. Yeah. Well, even even at the end of in the credits, they blur out the registry numbers. So you can't go look them up either. Or many of the registry numbers are blurred out. Maybe not all of them. They, yeah, they they blurred. They I feel like they blurred out a, a couple things in those credits. Yeah. So we're for the Titan, you know, getting greeted by a seven of nine, and Picard does do. Riker sort of gets him primed, right, in the pod. Like, hey, can you do your, your, your scowly face? And, but then by the time we get to the ship and, uh -huh. Riker, and Picard's actually walking down that corridor, he get, gets right to his his, yeah. his scowly face. I don't think it, it – Riker sort of, like, got him primed. That's what this first officer does. First yep. officer gets you ready yep. like to, to, to be the way you are. I can imagine that Seven of Nine – pushes uh, Shaw's buttons a lot, too, <laughs> and probably has him, you know – being compoundedly more and more of a stick up the butt kind of guy because that's, that's kind of what he is well she's used to her, how she did things on the bridge of the voyager and now as a freelance no she's used to how she did things on the stargazer oh maybe you don't know that part know she that. was she was on the stargazer oh. the the new stargazer mm. uh yeah the whole that whole storyline sort of went away that actually is one of my other questions for this episode uh -huh. like uh what happened to the Stargazer? Because there was this whole thing in the last season, okay. and uh, it's I'm just wondering what happened to the Stargazers because she's that's where she was. Oh, okay. Yeah. the The thing about how Captain Shaw prefers that she uses the name Hanson, mm -hmm. that's like the writers plucking at Picard because it is very similar to Picard saying, "Take that earring off." Ooh. Well, it's like I'm gonna. You can't. Don't have your own personal identity aboard this ship, little Missy. <laughs> You're gonna be who I want you to be. Well, it helped me separate Annika Hansen being the rules abider, you know, stooge to Shaw, and Seven of Nine when she finally, you know, lets loose and says, "Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and break the rules." So I, it helped me separate the two the two personalities of oh, the character i don't think she ever changed i think she had the same intention from the start okay she it's not like she ever liked him she may say what she oh, has yeah. to say like in his presence to not be like utterly disrespectful and thus break the morale of the entire crew but yeah, come on now yeah yeah when she said lower your expectations i'm like oh okay yeah she doesn't like him at exactly all. <laughs> right and as a matter of mm. fact if we were to have a funniest line i thought the part where Riker says, put on your inspection face. And then he's like, there it is. That's That would have been my nomination for yeah. funny. Okay. Thing. All right. There we have it. Okay. That's your first nomination. Great. Yeah. I do like meeting also Sidney LaForge. Mm, yes. I thought that was exciting. That also referenced back Star Trek Generations as well. When Kirk talks about, you know, it wouldn't be an enterprise without the Sulu at the helm. There's a there's a question about what which next generation is the title of this episode referencing? Mm. Is it referencing the next generation crew that's coming back, uh -huh. or is it referencing all of the next gener all of the people of the next generation that are in this episode? Because you have a LaForge, you have a Crusher. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was someone else. Did I miss somebody? Uh, well, in a way, in a way, Seven starting her career. Or maybe not starting, but you know, being in her career as a commander, 
She's never had a mm-hmm. uniform before. Uh, I think she's well, okay. So yeah, again, season two, <laughs> it's okay. There's an interesting thing that they've done to Seven of Nine's character here, mm-hmm. and that they've changed her backstory. Like, once upon a time, her backstory was only, I am a former Borg, and I am this person, blah, 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 blah. Uh And now they've changed her to, she used to be a Fenris Ranger, so, like, now she's, like, the actor gets to have, like, more depth and do more things because she has a, like, much larger history. And Mm -hmm. they've really changed the character in a lot of ways, you know? Like, they've taken all the roboticness out of her. Yeah. But none of the forcefulness they've given her some character development in the last 12 15 years since she was last seen on Voyager so that's I think they're doing a lot of that with many of these characters it's just catching us up with her where these characters are and you know the same thing with Beverly they didn't leave her stagnant just being a doctor on a starship all this time yeah they also have not been stagnant with the development of technology if you recall, like in the movies, I think they said that the thrust you could have thrusters at like one quarter impulse to come out of the starbase of coming out of the starbase. Yeah, um, Valeris yells it. She orders one quarter impulse, right? But mm. originally it was thrusters only in space dock. Yeah. Right? And oh, by the way, there's like a apparently like a new sort of nebula class like way in the back in that space dock scene. Yeah. And then we have a moment where like we're out in. space base inside the star system and we're going to warp there's a really brief explanation of why you can do that mm-hmm. like i i did read on twitter somebody complaining like oh i hate it when when, when the ships go to warp in the star system because you can't do that well there's a type of shielding that they mentioned during this episode that i think explains why you can do that because the reason you can't do that is because if you like you know if you're traveling at the speed of light and you hit a grain of salt and that piece of salt flies into the earth at the speed of light mm-hmm. it's gonna destroy the planet right okay. so i think they've devised a type of shielding or you know drive that will prevent that from happening oh okay interesting as they're leaving the space dock too we hear more music cues from star trek 6 during the same scene the one quarter impulse docking scene metaphasic shielding by the way was something that beverly was working on during the series remember when she like flew into a sun oh right the okay yeah the shielding that she yeah i remember that yeah when we start the dinner shaw is incredibly rude like first of all you're supposed to wait for your guests Mm -hmm. to start eating and then he doesn't even like stay like picard definitely would have stood to greet somebody who's coming in like he's super disrespectful i know it seems like he's being by the but he even like shades the line yeah i'm much more of a ball back man myself like what (laughs) he's nothing but negativity for them yeah he even looks like a villain in this scene here to to me my nomination for worst line in this is from this scene okay after picard says are we late and shaw says hardly just your reputation preceded you so far into the room that i started early yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. If we were going to refine worst line, that's like a sickest burn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, if there, if I was to have a second worst line, it would be the shade that he gives Seven for being an ex-Borg, the venom that's in his voice. Former ex-Borg. He's really, like, he spouts a lot of things that he has no idea what he's talking about. Like, when he, like, for one thing, he says that jazz has no structure. Jazz has a lot of structure actually and then he he says he says that Riker's Riker's a bourbonista because he has a loosey-goosey style mm-hmm. 
bourbon bourbon has very specific requirements of how to make it and the way to make it and what it has to be mm -hmm. so a lot of things that he's saying are just kind of off base yeah like he's not good at he's not good at metaphors i think okay but he does okay so he does mention something we just talked about recently which is the dust free surfaces he tells Picard <laughs> that you'll know you'll find all the surfaces free of dust and again i'm like how how are there dots here <laughs> we don't see them we certainly don't see any i didn't see any in this episode there's a something that Riker says here that like weirded me out because he said something about at half warp double the speed doesn't even split wait what what <laughs> yeah that didn't because they left at warp 9.99 right yeah to, to the like my evidence is that they had a whole conversation about hey don't you have to tell engineering she's like no 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 come on <laughs> Yeah. So if they're moving at 999, he's talking about half the warp, double the speed. And then I'm like, okay, so then my brain's trying to like process and wrap around that and, and make it make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, okay, so maybe every warp factor drops you into a different discrete layer of subspace and <laughs> you can move at whatever speed in that layer of subspace. And that layer of subspace speaks to the range of velocities you can go mm -hmm. at that particular E. I don't know. I tried to make that line make sense. I'm like, Riker, what are you talking about? <laughs> Like, I don't think he understands how warp works. I, it didn't make any sense. That threw me for a loop, too, and I just kind of said, okay, and just went on. Yeah, yeah, sometimes <laughs> I like to do that. There was another line later on that I had to do that with, too, when he says, former, former and ex-Borg. It's like, you're so a former, former Bert Borg? He's talking about two different people, isn't he? Uh, well, okay. If he is, then that, that makes more sense, yeah. Picard being a former Borg. But they're both former Borg, and they're both ex-Borg, aren't they? Well, I guess Seven still has some implants, so she's just more of an ex-Borg. All right, well, I guess I figured it out myself. Good job. We're all very <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> Shaw may be the MVP of this episode, which I hadn't considered until this moment. Oh. But what he does in this moment at the end of the dinner, mm -hmm. after... They're like, hey, can we go do a thing? Like, can we go and take the ship somewhere that you don't want to go? And Seven's like, yeah, like, can we do that? Like, is that cool? And he's like, no. And Picard's like, no. He's like, no. But listen, uh, I'm going to go to bed now. So y'all don't do the thing you said you were about to do just now. Don't... Oh, okay. So you're saying he's just turning his head. Yeah, he absolutely, like, they were like, where do you want to do a thing? And he's like, nope, but I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can't tell you yes, but I'm going to go take a nap now. So you do with that what you will. Okay. I'm not saying it was intentional, but he mm. might be the MVP. <laughs> huh. The unintentional MVP? <laughs> Yeah, like he definitely, cause right, cause like, why would he go to bed right? Would you would you go to bed right there? And someone was like, hey, we're we would like to take your ship somewhere other than you want to go, and pretty much like me and like all of us have like a lot of authority, and everybody would do what mm -hmm. we said. He's like, uh, no, but I am gonna go take a nap. Why? Why doesn't? Why does the fact that Riker doesn't have a a command? Why doesn't that? Why does that make him not able to outrank Shaw? Dude, I have no idea. Okay. I don't know what Shaw's talking about in any of this episode. His motivations don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the things that he's saying don't make sense. Like, he's just being a jerk. Okay. Like, is this Rolaren in disguise, in, like, a hologram <laughs> disguise, just, like, being here and being a jerk to everybody? Is that what's happening in this episode? Or, um, what's-his-face that's an admiral now, um, from Lower Decks? Buen Amigo? Buen Amigo. Uh, no, the... 
originally from uh, Chain of Command, part one and two. Oh, Jellico. Jellico, yeah. I mean, is he trying to be a new yeah. Jellico? Yeah. Oh, I wonder, do you think Jellico and Shaw would get along together? Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'd see how terrible the other person is, and they'd totally just hate each other. <laughs> or they could work really well together. Mm. Like, maybe that's his admiral, and maybe that's why he's being the way he is, because he knows that that's, that's going to please the, the people above him. Okay. Right. Ooh, what if Jellico came back in this show, too? Because he did just come back in a recent show. Yeah, he did. He was animated. The nice thing about being animated is you don't have to show as much of your age as you would on camera. Yeah, but I mean, if you're just on the screen, yeah, we, we have the technology. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, so Rafi's hanging out with her granddaughter, right? So there's another Next Generation reference. Okay. Or not hanging out with her granddaughter. She's looking at her on a screen. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's that's another... We're talking about the Next Generation because... It's her granddaughter. Right? Oh, that kind of next generation. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And so Rafi contacts Deep Throat. <laughs> Is Starfleet Intelligence like just shorthand for Section 31? No, I think they're separate agencies, but they're kind of related. I mean, in the show. Like, do we really see Starfleet Intel when it's not Section 31? Yeah, uh, sort of. Tell me when we saw Starfleet Intelligence and there was no Section 31 connection. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, there certainly is a Section 31 connection because the thing that I see is on the display when the transmission comes in, Yeah. that com badge symbol is all black with the black oh. highlight. Super interesting. Hadn't even considered it. But when we see Rafi's record, her com badge symbol is gray with the black stripe hmm. where the little indent is from from the d disco era super interesting so the gray could indicate starfleet intelligence and the black could indicate higher up deeper undercover starfleet you know obviously section 31 yeah okay there's some interesting phrasing that the computer popped up here for her one of my one of my favorite lines of the episode is here and that's when she says, You have no idea how hard it is to be in this world. Okay. It just resonates with me. So I, I just wanted to put, you know, put a little asterisk, asterisk on that line. Yeah. The computer says to her, This stolen weapon is an act of war. Mm -hmm. You are a warrior. Mm -hmm. Do you think her contact in Starfleet Intelligence is Worf? I mean, it's just interesting phraseology. Well, I was making a connection with that the computer chose to represent the contact's voice as feminine. And I was wondering if it mm. was Giorgio. Ah, interest. That's an interesting idea. Also, <laughs> I like both of those things. Hmm. Mm. Watch this. We find out it's actually Julian. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that would just be funny, but that would be cool too. <laughs> yeah. Know, I mean, we did technically see Sloane die, but they certainly could figure out a way to bring Sloane back too. Don't they travel in time? Also. I. I'm going to say yes, because that's where the Red Angel suit came from. Okay. Red Angel suit? Yeah, I remember the Red Angel suit. The Section 31 was building it. Oh, okay. Leland ordered them to do it. Mm -hmm. So they work on, you know, which means they had time crystals. So there's got to be some time crystal element with Section 31. They definitely have time crystals. <laughs> okay. Do you think they're part of secretly operating the uh, Temporal Cold War? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely have, have something to do with the Temporal Cold War. Okay. There was an episode once Red was proposed about the officers swapping places, like the officers swap with the lower decks and lower decks swap mm -hmm. with the bridge crew. Yeah. Never quite happened, but this is a scene that would have been in that for sure. Mm. Picard and Riker in the in the lower decks books. Oh, okay. But why is Riker sleeping in his uniform? You think he does that all the time? 
you know, my first go-to would be just general manly manliness, being afraid to get naked and undressed in front of another man. But that's a 20th century thing, so... It is. Certainly looks like they don't have any sheets. Like, Riker's definitely been wearing a robe in front of Picard before. Well, yeah, A that's blue true. one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe they didn't remember to bring anything else. Sleeping. There are replicators aboard the ship. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's weird that they would have gone 20 years without <laughs> talking to Beverly. Why is that? Why is it weird that we would have gone 20 years without talking to Beverly? Well, what do you think she's been up to this whole time? I mean, I thought that she had been in Starfleet. Clearly, she's she's not, unless, of course, she's Starfleet intelligence. Oh. She also is on sort of a nondescript ship that's an SS ship. But it's an SS ship, but it definitely has L cars aboard. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely got, like, the ability to do, like, Starfleet, you know, channels, especially, like, top-secret Starfleet channels. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's something that I've seen bandied about, you know, on, on the internet about Beverly, about, like, her character changing, but I don't think so. Okay. I, somebody said something about, like, Beverly got turned into Ripley. Nope. Nope. This is the same Beverly that we saw during the episode Remember Me. Okay. Like, this is the Beverly that there's always been. She did this in first contact. Like, if she has the opportunity mm-hmm. to prove herself to be a badass, then she gets, then she does it. Yeah. They just didn't give her many opportunities to do it. Yeah. I heard hints about the fact that she was probably doing something like uh, Doctors Without Borders or some sort of Federation size World Health Organization kind of thing, trying to, you know, get drugs to people, medication to people who need it and medical help to people who need it that are really not able to afford it any other way. I want to know what it is that she's doing that's making whoever these people are hunt her. These people with these Batleth ships. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been one of my questions for the episode. Yeah. The only thing I could figure is that maybe she's just trespassing on their territory. I mean, okay. Why would she do that, though? Passing through to bring the tech, you know, the medical supplies to people that needed it or maybe there's people in their culture that they can't or won't or don't help mm, okay i think it's a bit much i think that if she if they re- if she was really wanting to get something to somebody that was going to save them she could reach out to starfleet and starfleet would help her i think there's something else entirely mm. i think there's been some research that she's been doing or something that she's involved in mm-hmm. whether or not it has to do with the the guy that's you know her son uh-huh. or not is beyond me okay I like when we're aboard the Titan, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody is a different alien. Did you notice that part? I did notice that. that I did. I mean, yeah, I'm trying little... to figure out what everybody is, you know? Me too. Me yeah. too. There's one woman that who's off to the side who I did. It took me a, a like probably the third time through watching it to realize that she's just like, she reminds me of Etana Cole, okay. the one from the game. Okay. That had like the vagina on her forehead. <laughs> I mean, maybe it doesn't look like a vagina. I have no idea. How would I know? (laughs) That's what I I imagine it might look like. (laughs) But her name is Esma, by the way, if if you're trying to think about who she is. It's funny. So, like, after after Shaw orders the ship locked down, Mm -hmm. the shuttle launches. Yeah, the timeline of that seemed a little weird. (laughs) I wasn't sure if, like... I was like, wait... Didn't he say he locked down the ship? I mean, that's still going to take a, a moment, and they might have had just enough time. Maybe mm. they had to sideways maneuver out out of the, the, the shuttle bay. Okay. 
I'll give you that. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll I'll take it. Because I was like, haven't you, haven't you ever heard of a garage door opener? Like, <laughs> this brings us closer to our my best line, and that's when Seven rips into Picard, saying, "You're gonna tell me what the hell you two are really doing here? Or I'm about to throw both of you out an airlock and never look back." That was actually the one that I had chosen as well. <laughs> oh, so so we agree on that one. That'll definitely be in the polls for this week. Okay. Uh, another one that I came up with during around the same time, well, that I came up with that Terry Metellus actually came up <laughs> was Shaw oddly saying, "You just loyalty your way to the end of a career." <laughs> yes. It was just coming from Shaw, so I I just couldn't push me over the edge to make that a good yeah. line. <laughs> I intentionally pushed past my extreme dislike of him mm. to focus on him and look and see, okay, so if I dislike him, that means he's sparking an emotional reaction in me, oh, okay. which means that he must be doing something that's intentionally like striking up a chord with me. Okay. And he is. Oh. Okay. Like he's specifically doing things that I that I'm super annoyed by. There was just one thing that I couldn't get out of my head throughout this entire episode, uh -huh. and that was when Beverly said, "Trust no one." Yeah, yeah, that was actually one of my lines as well. That was actually my worst line mm -hmm. that was going to be my choice because that's from the X Files. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she at least the, she had the right color hair to say it. I mean, Jillian Anderson has red hair too. That was Fox, though. But okay. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Sorry. But also, so like, Shaw did then this like favor, right, by going to bed, and Seven didn't have the wherewithal to like, I don't know, shut his windows, provide acoustic dampening around his quarters. Like, I'd have kept him asleep. Like, I'm not gonna show up in the writing system and have like this orange flaring going on. Like, if he turns over and he like, you know, yeah. looks over to see what's going on out the window, I don't want him to see anything that's gonna make him get up. Well, he would also be. <laughs> Weary as to why somebody shut the shutters on his windows for him. Hmm. This is this this could be true. But yeah, I mean that was totally a dead giveaway. The, the, the fiery red clouds and thunder outside of his window. It's like, yeah, of course that's gonna yeah. wake him up. Yeah. I also do like Riker's line because you know they just met in this episode, Riker and Seven. Yeah. And and he says, I like that Seven. I I like that line too. One, one of the questions that I had was, and maybe season two would answer this, was Seven fast-tracked to Commander? She was. She was fast. Okay. Rafi's breaking stuff for absolutely no reason while she's searching for the Red Lady. I <laughs> thought the Red Lady thing was going to drag out a little bit longer. Like, we were going to have a little bit to find, you know, of time to find out what the Red Lady was. Okay. Also, I thought that once once it connected to, okay, it's the red-colored statue of Rachel Garrett mm -hmm. that's at this place. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, it didn't need to be all red. They could have just shown her in her uniform. Like, that's what I imagined when it was like, oh, it was Rachel Garrett. I was like, oh, you could have just, it, her uniform's red, right? So it could have just been the red lady was the statue. But, you know, all red. Like, it was very on the nose. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. I imagine it was, the whole thing was probably carved out of the same material. Although they could have painted the rest of it to do the black pants and stuff. It was probably replicated. So when Rafi pulls up the uh, Red Lady on her screen, there are actually two ships that have appeared in Star Trek Online up on the screen, and they're named in these pictures. One is named the Voyager B, mm -hmm. which is a Pathfinder-class ship, and on the other side of Rachel Garrett, there's the Enterprise F, mm -hmm. which in parentheses it says is slated for early decommission. You know, I wasn't able to make out names on those ships, but I'm glad you were able to. 
they're printed on there but it takes you got to watch like to the very end because the camera pans up very slowly so the you they come it comes into the range of the of the words and then it goes to a different scene it was just weird because i was wondering about the the timeline of the voyagers because it, it seemed like mariner brought up the voyager d back in 2381 that's interesting yeah Maybe we didn't catalog that. I have no idea. That's super interesting that, that you would remember that. Maybe she misspoke. Maybe she meant B. Maybe it was misheard by everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then when Rafi heads to the, the what is she, she, I don't understand like where that she went because she was on, it seemed like maybe she was at Free Cloud for most of the episode, but then it, I don't know, I don't know where she is. Like it well, said like District 7 or something. Yeah. And I, is she is this a planet is this a part of the same place where she already was like where is she's at she calls out to the starfleet recruitment center right mm -hmm. so is this one planet that she's on is this is this free cloud i'm really confused about what her location is okay so you must have missed the other title card before section six that said um let me it was oh metallis prime i forgot yeah I, I completely forgot because I saw Metallic Prime and it made me bust out laughing. Okay. Because it's clearly the name of the showrunner in the show. And mm. then I think my brain blocked it out as being anything valid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's why I completely forgot okay. that she was at Metallus Prime. Right. Okay. Right. There was a title now, card that definitely said that. But I definitely did have the same question. Was Section 6 in the same on the same planet as Section 7? And if she was on the same planet, why go to the building and hover in front of it to try and call them? Why not just call them from where she's at? She would save time. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna agreed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess she could have done that. Although, unless she didn't want to be like identified for some reason. Yeah, I mean, if she was on, well, the other thing was that if her communicator was some sort of special, already. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Secure line communicator. Maybe it has a shorter mm -hmm. range. Yeah, potentially. There's a thing about the ship that I'm. I'm just gonna go ahead and spoil the previous season of Picard for you. This mm -hmm. ship should not be here. Okay. <laughs> this ship was taken by Doctor Gerardi to the Delta Quadrant. The La Serena should be in the Delta Quadrant. Furthermore, if this is the La Serena, uh -huh. there should be a few holograms that are very familiar aboard it. I couldn't tell if it looked the same from Picard season one or if it didn't or if it just had some additional it, it does she actually mentioned that she I didn't I wasn't sure I was like well surely they're gonna say it's the lost right because lost right can't be here right now right <laughs> but then she she mentions that it's the lost right now I'm looking I'm like okay yeah it's the same ship why is she why is she doing this well, but there are there are a couple additions I believe to the ship oh okay well I know that the memory alpha was always calling it lost Arena. That's because it's its name. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are with a wormhole weapon. Yes. Horrifying. I was as horrified as Rafi because I it suddenly connect because I wormhole the idea of wormhole weapons never really became real for me in Farscape. I think because mm. I never saw an example of it, okay. and it took me seeing this episode a couple of times to realize oh, wormhole weapons were what we were looking for and that was a wormhole weapon like it took it took me a long time to like put it together like oh my god they actually used a wormhole weapon and that's what that would look like you know i mean i was reminded of portal i thought they could have had the uh, the other end of the wormhole blue instead of orange are the are the terrorists that are attacking this recruitment center 
the same people that are going after Crusher? That's would be a good question to ask for next episode. One thing that I was thinking about um, with Crusher is like maybe she has there's a piece of the clue to the wormhole weapon. Like maybe she has something that people need to build a wormhole weapon, and maybe that's why they're hunting her. But they've clearly already built a wormhole weapon. Yeah. So they have everything they need, or at least a prototype. But sure. Right. So I think that like she's doing something else. Oh, could there be a limit to its range? And maybe she has something that mm. maybe increase its range or the size that you can make? Could be. That's interesting. Maybe right now they can only make the size of a building. Maybe they want to make a, some, a wormhole the size. Oh, I was thinking, got you. I was thinking more like the distance. like. Uh, well, that too. Yeah, it blurred it to very close. Yeah. And then there's a thing that's making me wonder, like, okay, so we're playing around with wormholes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because, okay, so I did watch this little show called The Ready Room, and Terry Metella said something very interesting about a character mm-hmm. who will be seen later in this series yeah. that they've refused to mention that we don't know is coming. And we're talking about wormholes. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out, like, who's going to make me, who's going to give me an audible gasp? <laughs> Denise Crosby. Oh, yeah, that's new who I was thinking of. Okay. Like, we're talking about wormholes. Wormholes, wormholes, wormholes. Mm-hmm. Oh! Yeah, there you go. Cisco? Because, yeah, we lost Tasha Yara in a wormhole store. There's a, there's a wormhole connection. But if you <laughs> want to talk about who's going to be in control of wormholes and who could stop people from using wormhole weapons. Uh, oh, right. Hmm. The wormhole aliens. I, the wormhole alien. <laughs> the He's yeah, a wormhole alien. He's part wormhole alien. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> on from the wormhole weapons we're back out aboard the elios is what this is called the ss elios it's actually the ss elios 10 is it uh 12 12 okay 12. so this is this is a very small ship the reason i know that is because when the shuttle comes and docks with it mm-hmm. it's only like a couple decks larger than the shuttle yeah so maybe like the whole ship is maybe 10 times the size of that shuttle the uh, display earlier showed that it at least had four decks ah okay yeah i think that makes about a lot of sense the the ship the ship do you think that when we were so earlier when the aliens like came aboard the ship and like mm-hmm. did the unauthorized docking the ship announced unauthorized docking in progress do you think that we just missed that this time or do you think this was somehow an authorized docking well it probably it might what is an authorized docking thank you <laughs> <laughs> no one no one has authorized this because no one knows they're coming no one rolled out the red carpet for them but I mean, it did recognize that it was a Starfleet signature, so it might automate sure. like an automated thing that, if, unless otherwise told, this is an authorized. Except copy. this is not a Starfleet ship. It's a shuttlecraft. Oh, aren't you talking about Picard and Riker shuttlecraft? I'm talking about the Elios. The Elios isn't a Starfleet ship, right? It's. I mean, if she's not in Starfleet, nobody down there is wearing a uniform. It's got L cars. I'm confused. Yeah, I, w- I was figuring it was a decommissioned Starfleet ship. Sure. Like a retired ship? I'd turn off the... Yeah, and if I were Beverly, which I'm not, but I'm sure she would turn off the, the thing about, like, tell Starfleet you can always come aboard. I'd turn that off. Like, what? <laughs> you can't come aboard whenever you want. <laughs> well, she told she's not expecting Starfleet. She told Picard not to bring Starfleet. I'm not talking about Beverly. I'm talking about the ship. Why did the ship allow the shuttle to dock? What? There's so Picard definitely is from the eighties. I think this is an eighties joke. (laughs) Because when they come aboard the ship, Beverly's playing a mixtape that Picard got 
gave her? He only hears one song, so how does he know it's a whole mixtape? But agreed. I was wondering that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you? Why is it a mixtape? Anyway, is it a mixtape or is it a mixed USB drive? Maybe it's one of the eight tracks from Discovery. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when this guy, this guy, this random guy who's on the ship, who actually Beverly locked out of, you know, the command area. At the, towards the beginning of the episode, yeah. this guy appears with his phaser at Riker. I'm like, okay, what in the world is happening? Number one, who's this guy? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, he appeared out of nowhere. Uh, so and here's another quote that I enjoyed when when they when they get the when they get the drop on him, and mm -hmm. you know Riker pushes him down. You know he's like, give it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that phaser. So that's yeah. that's one of my ideas for a great for a great line. Uh, he says that he is her son. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, and Picard's floored, and I'm like, okay, so is this an act? Do you get, uh, do French people receive an English accent through their genetics? Is that what I'm <laughs> supposed to think here? Where did he get the English accent? Somebody has to have been with her that gave him an English, because she doesn't have an English accent. So if maybe he didn't grow up with her. Where did he come from? He's not the guy from the rock wall. Well, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Is this Wesley? Well, like Wesley went back and, there's a funny thing that happened. So like, in in the novel series they had they did have they get they like got married and had a kid and okay. wesley had to come back when they coded back into this current era of star trek and there was a whole thing that happened between them and i don't i don't specifically remember but i wonder if that could be some weird connection to this mm. like maybe this is their kid from another universe no because that his name was Rene robert oh, which okay. i always thought was very selfish of picard not to name him something at least related to Dr. Crusher. Mm -hmm. How how old do you suppose he is? I mean, if it's been twenty years since any of them saw her. I I'll put him at about twenty. Yeah. All right. So he could be the son of a candle. He could be the son of Ooh, he could be the son of Picard from when they were on insurrection. That could have happened right there. Oh, okay. On that planet where everybody's like lovey dovey on each other. Yeah, because she was de aging, right? Okay. And he was all virulent, and they kind of got together and had a little wine. Hmm. <laughs> that would be a neat tie-in to a movie. Be, <laughs> I would love if they would tie this series to Insurrection. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about this usurper. If it was going to be her son, I wanted it to be Wesley. I wanted to see Will Wheaton again. Recommend you watch last season of Picard. <laughs> I would probably go through and maybe yeah. watch on the opposite end of the week. Yeah, just... Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, that'll work. It's not like it's going to interfere with anything. It might make some small things click together. So this alien ship appears as this alien ship appears to menace over the Elios. Yeah. Do you? There's a bottom portion that looks to me like the engineering section of the Enterprise D, only like with <laughs> orange light instead of a blue light. Oh, I think I kind of saw like that. the same yeah. sort of shape, like an eyeball shape, almond almond shaped is what I should say. Almond looks the chill divine. What? I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think I kind of saw that. I would imagine that a lot of cultures develop similar technology. I mean, they're going to need a deflector dish of, or something like a deflector dish of some sort. Although, they, if they did steal Starfleet technology to make their ship, the other, the top portion of it reminded me of the Sona's ships. Sure, absolutely. 100%. I agree with you. It also reminded me of the. Uh, of the Riemann mining ship from... Nemesis, the Scimitar. Mm -hmm. So could they be a race that hacks together different technology as they find it or whatever 
It could be, you know, I'm trying to put together the clues of what might be going on here. So I, I go back to the captain's logs at the beginning, right? So we mm-hmm. had uh, some connection to what was it? Unification and counter Farpoint in the best of both worlds. The thread that runs through those is, I mean, obviously just Picard, but there's Borg. Mm-hmm. Borg on two pieces of that. I don't know what any of these connections are. However, there is uh, something that happens at the end of season two mm-hmm. of Star Trek Picard that reminds me of the schematic that they're showing of this wormhole weapon. Okay. But I don't know if it's connected at all. I had a sense at the end of last season that we weren't going to revisit the whole thing that happened in the last few moments. And it seemed throughout this episode that we just sort of have glossed over it. Okay. But I'm wondering if they're going to actually like go back to it and, you know, mention it again. I think for some continuity, just for, you know, the continuity nuts that they would probably desire to do that. Agreed. Agreed. No, I agree. I just think that they should, they, they should do I don't think they should do it, <laughs> but if they do do it, they should do it in a very intricate and very like well thought out way okay. and not just have it be like, a, we're going to wrap this up like the best of both worlds part two and firing the phasers. Yeah. Okay. So another question that came up to me outside of the show, we kind of know his name, but so obviously it's going to be answered next episode or very quickly. What's the boy's name? Cause we never hear him say his name on screen. All right, so we sort of reached the end of the episode. I mean, we didn't mention that, you know, Beverly's in a cryogenic pod, apparently. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually a stasis pod, right? So yeah. her son put her in there, yeah. and it's weird that earlier when they're looking for vital signs, they show that, like, there's anything wrong with her vital signs, because doesn't a stasis pod make your vital signs, like, okay again? And that's why you're in there, is to make sure that everything's staying okay? I thought right? it just kind of... Stabilized everything right where it was at until you could get to a hospital. So it like maintains you half dead. Well, yeah, if that's where you're at, yeah, I, I, maybe. Yeah. So I think now it's time that we can go over our polls and discuss what we're going to have going up on Twitter. You know, right around the time this episode is released. Are you ready for that? I think so. Great. Let's go to break and come back and do it. All right. Well, we'll be right back. We serve us. Hi, this is Buzz Burbank. I never listened to Let's Talk About Treks. But if I was going to listen to a show about treks, it would be this one. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. I beat you to it this time. <laughs> so we are going to have some polls going up, and let's talk about what they are. Okay. Uh, so just just for a brief run, run through, as a reminder, we're going to be talking about the most valuable player of the episode, the least valuable player of the episode, what we think our worst quote is, what we think the best quote is, uh, our favorite Easter egg, questions that might be answered up next episode, and what backdoor pilot could be derived from this episode. Okay. And a rating. Don't forget the rating at the end. Oh, right, a rating. Mm-hmm. My proposal for most valuable player of this episode mm-hmm. is... I feel like I should say, of course, but is, of course, Beverly Crusher. I can't imagine a better way to come back to the next generation. I, I think that she's just the most dynamic character of that series. The most potentially dynamic. I, don't, I think she was largely underused, and I'm glad to see her being a focal point here. It's great. Well, I mean, certainly without her, there wouldn't have been an episode. I'm going to actually have to say my MVP was seven of nine okay because shaw was their roadblock and again it's another character that without them helping them get to their destination there wouldn't have been 
the rest of the episode. Agreed. Agreed. One hundred percent. I don't know that it had to be. I mean, I agree with you. I'm gonna. I'll <laughs> leave it there. I just. I feel like Shaw in this. In this. In this part of the story, actually did more for them than Seven did. <laughs> but after <laughs> she did, she did bribe. She did bribe the shuttle guy to leave. <laughs> leave his, you know, station. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's that. Uh, on the record, he did everything right. He did everything by the book. So correct. On the record, he couldn't admit to being to looking the other way. This is correct. <laughs> okay. So our proposals are Beverly Crusher and Seven of Nine for most valuable player. For least valuable player, mm-hmm. I have chosen mm-hmm. a, someone who's in this episode that has a, a main character react and speak to them, like react off of them, but really could have just been a robot. Okay. I think I know where this is going. So there's a guy, Picard's like, hey, come take this painting down mm. and we're going to ship it off to Jordy. And the guy walks up and he's like about to move the painting. And Laris is like, don't you dare. Oh, okay. He could have been just a robot. <laughs> it did, they didn't need to have like a whole guy there. So he is—he had the least valuable to this. He had the least value to this episode. Yeah. He was literally there okay. for nothing. He could have been an automaton. <laughs> Why was he there? Quite literally. I guess I was wasn't taking it quite that literally. I mean, he was obviously just a walk-on role. But next time, I'll try and consider the walk-on role. What is the useless, most useless walk-on role? I picked Shaw. Oh. Okay. Because he was the biggest roadblock that prevented them from progressing the story. And he's just kind of a dick. <laughs> okay. So for our least valuable player proposals, we will have, uh, I guess, painting guy <laughs> and Captain Shaw. Extra number one. <laughs> now we've moved on to the worst quote of the episode. Okay. And as you recall, earlier in the episode, I mentioned that my nomination for least favorite quote was because it's from the x-files wrong show beverly (laughs) and my worst quote was when shaw is talking about their not being late that your reputation preceded you so far into the room that i started early got you all right so those are our two recommendations for the worst quote of the episode we've already agreed on one of the potential best quotes of the episode and that was when seven of nine says you're gonna tell me what the hell you two are really doing here or i'm about to throw both of you out an airlock and never look back yes um so my other proposal was you just loyalty your way to the end of a career and i'm open to hearing what your proposal is oh for a second one yes did you have a second one i like that seven okay yeah, I, I, I agree. With, I, I will, I will, I will scratch mine, and I'll go to Riker with the "I like that seven. That was just kind of thinking off off the cuff here. Right. So let's move on to Easter eggs. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, once again, my favorite Easter egg of this episode was the shot of the uh, Voyager B and the shot of the Enterprise F. Okay. It's at about forty-two minutes and twenty-eight seconds in that you can see their names. By the way, in case you want to go back and find them. 42 okay i just remember seeing the the ships on screen and seeing them in memory alpha labeled as what they were but i think my favorite easter egg was probably the music cues from other movies if i had to have a specific one i'd say the first contact theme at either point in the episode where it's being played the beginning or the end all right so we have one visual easter egg and one audio easter egg Mm-hmm. for our potential favorite easter eggs from this episode those will be up on twitter shortly now we also have one more if i'm not no we have two more so questions that might actually be answered next episode 
-hmm. and then we have the the potential backdoor pilot so right. let's roll with questions what do you think might actually be answered next episode well since somehow memory alpha already knows i think the question of what is this boy's name is he really her son oh so you don't necessarily believe him i'm wondering if he's a clone huh if his name is jack i'm wondering if he's somehow a clone of her husband oh that was that would be super interesting that would be super interesting there there are several times where where we see in the end credits uh we, we see a double helix a dna strand and we see a, a genetic code mm -hmm. and i think that's supposed to represent beverly trying to extract and get and sequence jack's dna so that she can clone him okay interesting I don't I don't know if any of my questions might be answered next episode. I had so many questions. Yeah. Who is Rafi's handler? What happened with the Rikers? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. La Serena. How? Okay. Yeah. The candle. Did Beverly go back and hang out with the candle? Is that where this guy <laughs> came from? Is he is is this Jack Candleson crusher? <laughs> is Beverly section thirty one? Who are the terrorists? Why do you think they're terror? Oh, the terrorists that did the wormhole weapons, right? Right, yeah. right, 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 right. They're terrorists. I, I don't want to just call them aliens and say all aliens are bad guys. Sure. Yeah, it could definitely be a human doing this. It's to me, it's probably more likely that there's a human doing this because this human targeted Starfleet, a Starfleet recruitment center, not like Starfleet headquarters. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. He didn't <gasps> want to do the worst. It's like thing a. It's like a school shooting. Oh, because uh, it's a recruitment center, right? So there'd be lots of like student type people or young people just in line getting rid of this. Is a recruitment yeah. center going to have part of the academy there? What's the point of a recruitment center to recruit? But like, say, a, a university recruit. Maybe like all the J. Maybe like all the J. Rotsy Starfleet people. I don't know what that means. J. Rotsy Junior Reserve Officers Training. You know what Rotsy is? No. ROTC. I mean, now I do. Oh, ROTC. Oh. Um, yeah, and then they have J Rotsy, which is you do in junior high, and then in high school you do Rotsy, okay. or no, you get out of high school and you you join the Rots, whatever ROTC. Anyway, well, I mean, a university recruitment center would be in the university. Yeah, but she only said recruitment center. Mm. The recruitment center that I went to to join the Navy, yeah, was very small. Yeah, but yeah. At different times, it would it would have a whole bunch of people because you know you meet that you everybody meets up there to go get on the van to take it to the airplane to go to, you know, Starfleet Academy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But and probably for Starfleet, like any given time, there's probably a whole bunch of people there that'll discourage you to go <laughs> to a recruitment center. <laughs> I just sign up online if I was going to sign up. Fair enough. Good point. Oh, the other question I had is, and you kind of answered it. Uh huh. Are the terrorists the same people who are after Crusher? Okay. So how about how about this question? Okay. Uh, question number one: mm -hmm. Are the Rafi and Beverly stories related? Okay. And question number two: Is there Section Thirty-One involvement? Those are good questions. Do you think those might be answered potentially? Next episode. Yes. Maybe the uh, Crusher Rafi one. Okay. Well, you put up that one. I'll put up the other one. What is the backdoor pilot that you imagine might come out of this episode? Don't wait for the translation, answer the question. Okay. I think the backdoor pilot would be a Section 31 show. Oh. 
Okay. Interesting. So, my backdoor pilot is, like, it's the Golden Girls, only it features, like, Crusher mm -hmm. and Laris and maybe Troy and the daughter. And all they do, like, because Picard and Riker are off ha having adventures, mm -hmm. but they live at, like, their beach house in Malibu. <laughs> and, like, they, they, it's just, like, the four of them just basically, like, getting into little hijinks. Oh, okay. Just Beverly and Laris and uh, Troy and, and Castro Troy. I have a better one. Okay. Star Trek Titan. Oh, featuring Seven of Nine as the first officer? Star and Shaw is the... Uh, no, with the, the Riker Adventures. Oh, yeah, I, outside we can't, of what, though he's. I mean, we've done he's too old, like oh, okay. to be the younger. He's. It's got to be the younger. I. I'm with you on. I would do Star Trek Titan. I would love to hate the captain. Like, wouldn't that be wild if we were let? If the captain of the series was like a total jerk face. Oh, and he wasn't like the lead lead character. Yeah, this is what I thought they were gonna do at the end of the Best of Both Worlds. I think they're gonna bring on somebody that we just despised, and would it would they would slowly bring us to like this person because we're already kind of butt hurt because we had to lose our person for this person to come, and then you're gonna come and be a jerk. Like I would like to see. I, I think that would be cool. I think I would do Star Trek Titan if it was this this first officer and this captain. So it would be. So you'd have seven. You'd have uh, Sydney LaForge. Uh huh. Right? You'd have all these different aliens. Ooh, I like that. That is a good idea. That's backdoor pilot number one. So you think that Jonathan Frakes couldn't pull off his younger self again, then? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's oh, okay. what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I don't think he can be younger than he is. They could do it as an animated series, but that would be, wouldn't be as exciting. Mm -hmm. you'd, you'd have to have this. Right, and we would lose players. all of the interesting aspects of this new titan with all the different i mean that's how the titan was in the books it was supposed to be like a whole bunch of different aliens oh i just connected that that's, <laughs> that was the original inception of the titan was that uh -huh. already in your head you know that on the original titan in the novels the chief engineer is a tree oh okay his name's not Groot, is it <clears throat> so uh I think I'm going to stick with the Star Trek Golden Girls just so we can get to the rating. Did, didn't you say that the, your, their engineer was a Picard? Oh, wasn't it the same character that was in um, the... Uh... You're talking about Dak Newcar from New Frontier. That was the USS Excalibur. Yeah. Yeah. No, their chief medical officer was... The chief medical officer on the Titan was a tree. I meant the engineer. Oh, I, I think so. Oh, okay. I... I'm going to give this episode an 8.7. I think I would rate it a 9.8. Great. The next episode of Star Trek Picard is called Disengage. This is when Picard finds something that is once again going to change his life forever, just <laughs> like we've sort of done every season so far, and brings him face to face with the most cunning enemy he's ever encountered. Again. Which sounds like a reference to Moriarty, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. Oh, I forgot that there's a speculation on that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they, Moriarty was in the oh, teased okay. uh, trailers. And also Rafi's off doing some things. <laughs> Wormhole weapon stuff. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Yes. Hope you guys enjoyed your time with us. We enjoyed our time with you. Thank you for joining us this week. I don't want to forget 
to make reference to a friend and family member that we lost along the way. By family member, I mean member of the Star Trek family. Mm -hmm. This episode was dedicated to Annie. Yes, Annie Worsing, who played the Borg Queen in uh, Season 2 of Star Trek Picard. Did she play the Borg Queen earlier as well? Either way, she played an excellent Borg Queen. It was the most amazing Borg, the, the most um, the most reachable Borg Queen, <laughs> like emotionally, that I have ever seen. I thought she did a wonderful job, and she did it with half of what the other ones had. Yeah, to my knowledge, she has not played the Borg Queen before, but she did play in an episode of Enterprise called Oasis. Gotcha. During the ready room, Will Wheaton provides uh, a more fitting tribute than we can, you know, from his perspective of knowing her personally. And I highly recommend that you go and check out Will Wheaton's uh, tribute to Annie Worshing. Yes. Thank you. So now, Earl. <laughs> well, until next time, please stay positive, dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Good night, sweet queen. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.